Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Uh, you know, we asked the question, can a Christian survive in, a, in, a, in an increasingly ungodly culture? You know, we have uh, in, in the book of Genesis, as Brother Kim mentioned, we have the beginning of the family as well as the beginning of everything, but uh, uh, the beginning of all things, including the beginning of the family. And we have before us two families that uh, ra- were, were raised in cultures that are like our culture, that were, you know, uh, ungodly, basically, the the one-word description of our culture could be ungodly, and that's the way that culture, their cultures, were in, in the days that they lived in the book of Genesis. And so uh, we want to a, take a look at uh, two parents that succeeded and two parents that failed, and we want to end up being on the side of the two parents that succeeded, if we, uh, if we will. So let's look first at Mr. and Mrs. Noah. Mr. and Mrs. Noah were an example of godliness. Noah uh, led his children in, in that example. As we see it here, take a look back at uh, Genesis 6, <clears throat> verse 5 through 8. Genesis 6, verse uh, 5 through 8. Genesis 6, verse 5 through 8. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that uh, he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and all the creeping things, the fowls of uh, the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord." Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so um, here was uh, one man in a population of people that were entirely ungodly. The the, uh, imagination of their hearts was entirely evil all the time. We're we're not quite at that place in our culture in the world today, but we're moving that direction pretty fast, aren't we? We're moving that direction pretty fast. And so... uh, here was Noah in that circumstance, but he alone, uh, he, his family alone, were, were under the grace of God and found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He, he didn't have anyone else to encourage him. You ever think of that? You and me have each other. We have one another to encourage one another in, in staying on track and walking with the Lord. Noah didn't have a church. He didn't have a preacher. He didn't have Christian friends. <laughs> he had nobody to encourage him in the Lord, and he and his family were there all alone in that situation. When his kids came in and, and said, Dad, I want to do this because everybody else is doing it, <laughs> they were right. Everybody else was doing it. But Noah said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be there. We're not going to uh, be party to that. So uh, even though it was literally true that everybody else was doing it, his sons didn't. His children did not. So uh, he was an example to them of godliness in an ungodly world. The Bible tells us he was just. He was justified. Uh, and uh, being justified is, is uh, what all of us uh, must have. We must have that justification. We must have uh, the forgiveness that comes with salvation great and the grace of God. We all must have that. And that, uh, that's the beginning place, that legal declaration of righteousness. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was a righteous man in an ungodly world. If you're a child of God here, you're a righteous person in an ungodly world. You know, we're going to look at a little bit later at Lot. 
And Lot was called just. He was called just Lot. So he's a saved man. He's in heaven today. He's in heaven today. But my, has he lost, had he lost a lot. He uh, had uh, lost everything. And uh, yet he's a just man. He was justified by the grace of God. Nothing of his own works. If there's anything that will teach you that works doesn't have any uh, bearing on your salvation, it's, it's Lot. Uh, Lot had no works to offer for his justification. It was only the grace of God that, that justified him. And the fact that at some point he had trusted by faith in God's salvation. So uh, he is in heaven, but he didn't take anything with him. And we don't want that to be your case. We want you to go to heaven and we want you to take a lot of uh, a lot with you, your children, your grandchildren, others that uh, you've brought to Christ. We want you to take a lot of people with you. And so uh, we have Noah as, as our example of that. He was declared as, the Bible says he was perfect in his generations. He was complete in a generation that was incomplete. Uh, you can't have that perfecting without the work of God in you, of course. And so in Noah's life, there's a consistency that spans years, you know, generations, centuries, as a matter of fact. You and me, we're called of God, and, you know, if God gives us 50, 60, 70, 100 years, uh, we have the opportunity to live consistently as a Christian in that short lifespan of ours. Think of the guys that had to do it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years uh, to be faithful. Uh, and so um, the only account we have of Noah messing up is when he, uh, he fermented wine and got drunk on it, you know. And so that's the only account we have him messing up. And that, that was late in his life, you know, late in his life. I think he was slipping gears a little bit toward the end of his life, maybe, and uh, did some things that were regretful and some things he was ashamed of. But the, over the course of Noah's hundreds of years, he was faithful. He had a consistency in his generations. You need that consistency. You need to walk with God, and you need to uh, stay close to Him and thick and thin when things are hard and when things are easy. Uh, he was perfect in His generations. We mentioned it last night, James 1.4, Let patience have her perfect work, her completing, perfecting work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In James 1.25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the works, this man shall be blessed in his deed. That's how we get that consistent walk with God going. We look into the law of liberty and we continue in it every day. You need to be in your Bible every day. The scripture says uh, that it's to be read every day. The kings in Israel were to copy out a copy of the They were to do it themselves. They were to write out the entire Bible in, in their own hand. Of course, it was a lot easier then. There's a lot less of the Bible for them then in the era of the kings than there is now. But they were to write out the entire uh, Bible, all of the uh, commands of God through Moses, and they were to read them every day. And so um, that was the command that God gave to kings. It would be a good thing, wouldn't it, if the president would read his Bible every day, wouldn't it? It'd be a good thing if the leaders of our uh, a great state of California would be in their Bible every day. It would be a different state if that were the case uh, there. But it was what uh, was happening with uh, the patriarchs. They were called of God to read the Scriptures, to be in the Word every day. Now, uh, in Noah's case, he didn't have a Bible to go to, you know. And yet he had that consistency with, with God every day. He, God talked with him. You say, well, yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be all right. I'd be right with God if, I, if God came down and talked to me. 
and yet God has come down and talked to you. Uh, in His Word, it's recorded, and this is a living book. This is a living book. You know, it shall talk with thee, the Scripture says in the book of Psalms. It shall talk with thee. It's a living book, you know. And so you, have, you and I have no excuse to say, well, I, I, I don't know about that because God came down and talked to some people, and He's never done that with me. Well, yes, He has. He has done that with you, and He is doing that with you right now through His Word. So uh, that, was, that, was <clears throat> Noah's, um, that was Noah's consistency that we're looking at as an example. The Bible says that he walked with God. Noah walked with God. And um, if you expect to raise children who love and follow the Lord, you are going to have to walk with God as a mom or dad. You, mom and dad, you've got to walk with God if you expect your children to. You can't just tell them, you know, do the right thing, and then they see you doing the wrong thing. Uh, that isn't going to work. You've got to walk with God. Uh, you can't fake it, you know. Uh, get, get all dressed up for Sunday church and come to church, and then the rest of the week live like the world, live like the devil. You can't, you can't fake it. Your kids are the first ones to, to spot it. They're the first ones to see the hypocrisy in our lives when we say one thing and do another. So um, Noah was not like that. He walked with God, and his kids saw that. It's pretty obvious that his kids were all in with him uh, there all along the way, you know. And so um, that walk with God is so important. The Bible tells us where we read, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you and I have to live by the grace of God. We don't only save by grace, but we're supposed to live by grace. Titus uh, 2 tells us this. Titus 2 um, verse um, 11 and 12. Let's take a quick look there. Hold your place there in, in Genesis and uh, find Titus 2. It's over there, Timothy, Titus. <clears throat> Titus 2, 11 and 12. Let's take a look at that. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Talking about grace, talking about grace more than just the grace that we need for salvation, but the grace we need to live every day of our lives. Verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, okay, that we, we get that, we, we know that, we thank God for His grace that saved us. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And here's something else that grace does. Grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So grace is that element which God gives to us to do what's right in this present world. Grace is something we need more than just at the point of salvation. We need it every day of our life. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a diligent worker, obviously. Uh, I mean, how many of us could, um, could build the ark? You know? It didn't take him 120 years, but I can imagine it would take that long uh, since he wasn't getting a whole lot of help from the outside world. And the indication there uh, concerning his work was that he was a diligent, hard, consistently hard worker. Uh, God said, make an ark. And of course, Noah probably said, well, what's an ark? You know? And uh, God said, it's a boat and it's going to float when, we, uh, when it rains on the earth. And Noah said, what's rain? And so he didn't know any of those things yet, but by faith, he trusted God that what God was saying was so, and that he uh, started the work of building the ark. I can just imagine what the culture around him thought of this old man working on an ark. I guess I think he was 600 years old, was he? Uh, when he's building the ark and he's, they're thinking, what in the world is this guy building and why? And he's not anywhere near water. He's not near the ocean. <laughs> he's not near a great river. 
he's just building this ark out in this flat plain. And that must have been quite a sight for that 120 years. And that whole time, the Bible tells us that that whole time Noah was preaching. He was a, what the Bible calls a preacher of righteousness. So Noah was preaching. There was no one else to preach. Noah was preaching, and he was preaching repentance toward God and faith toward God's salvation. Uh, he was preaching that. Nobody listened. They just thought he was a crazy old man building a boat, you know. But uh, he was diligent in his work. He was also complete in his obedience to God. He wasn't like we sometimes are, you know. We're, we sometimes get a little, uh, a little picky and choosy about what we obey. And those things that are hard, we tend to be less excited about obeying. But Noah was complete in his obedience to God. We see that uh, recorded in Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, and chapter 7, and verse 5. In both those places, it said, According to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. According to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. If you want the best life, if you want the best blessings, just follow that. According to all that God commanded me, so do I. You know, and that's, that's a, a simple thing. Just when we read our Bible, we see something in there, God's command, God's directing us. We're going to say, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. And so that's what Noah uh, did. He obeyed every word of God as he received it. You uh, want your kids to do right, you, you got to leave them an example uh, of submission to God's Word. If you and me are hit and miss with our submission to God's Word, if we're telling our kids to read their Bible and they're reading it and they're seeing commands in there and they're looking at our life and they're saying, well, Dad doesn't do that. Mom doesn't do that. Uh, why should I? <laughs> so it's very important for us to, to uh, live a life that demonstrates complete obedience to God's Word, the things that are easy and the things that are not so easy, you know. And the Bible says that the commands of God are not grievous. They're not hard. They're not things that are like, wow, how can I ever do that? You know, they're not a grievous. They're, they're easy, and they're for the best for us. God didn't give you and me any command that wasn't meant for our good. He didn't give us any command that was going to make, it, make it our life miserable or harder or more difficult. All the commands of God that He gave to us are for our benefit and for our good. So why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to do what he tells us to do? Well, I'm shy, and I, I, don't, I don't talk to people, you know. Uh, and uh, and I, don't, I don't witness because I'm too embarrassed, you know. Well, you need to fix you, not change what the commandment is, you know. You need to fix you. And that's what Noah gives us the example of. He was obedient to the Lord in every area, complete in his obedience. And the result was obvious that he had a righteous family. His extended family was a righteous family. The Bible says Noah went forth from the ark and all his family with him. All of them were with him, you know. All of them were saved. I thank God that by his grace all of my kids are saved and all of my grandkids are following the Lord and they're all in church and they're all uh, excited about the, the, the Word of God. And me, my little three-year-old, uh, uh, almost three-year-old, is he three now? Our little youngest one, two, still two. Uh, even our youngest one, uh, you know, he's, he's in, little kids don't have to be convinced that there's a God. You ever notice that? Uh, that? You tell them there's a God and they get it, you know, and, and you, we pray and he prays to Jesus, you know, and, and uh, he is, uh, he's being raised by parents that love the Lord and want him to love the Lord, and as all, as all of our grandkids are, and I thank God for that, that uh, by the grace of God, he's given us that extended family that all love the Lord and want to serve him. Uh, we're one of the rare blessings in our life, of course, is that we have all our kids and all our grandkids right there with us. So grandma and grandpa are really enjoying life. And 
you know, the other side of the family on the, on the in-laws' side, they're, they're, uh, they only get to come and visit now and then, you know, but uh, Wendy and I get, uh, get to have them any time and all times. Sometimes Wendy has them more than she really wants them uh, <laughs> when it's th- two or three days of babysitting, but, uh, but it's, it's great to have that blessing of a family that loves the Lord. And uh, it, it started by the grace of God in our lives, and it continues the grace of God outflowing in the lives of our kids and grandkids. I thank God for that example that Noah gave us for that, that he just was consistent that way. And now there's another set of parents we want to take a quick look at this morning, and that's Mr. and Mrs. Lot. Let's go back over to Genesis chapter 19. We read verse 12 through 14 there, but that's where we'll be at. Genesis 19 there. These parents were the unsuccessful ones, the example of what not to do, all right? Uh, Lot, Mr. and Mrs. Lot were the example of what not to do. Um, we see in Mr. and Mrs. Lot's case, particularly Mr. Lot, because the Bible puts the primary responsibility always on the man to lead the home, always on the man. It's not, not ever primarily the wife's place. She may contribute to the blessing of the, of the home or she may contribute to the fall of the home. But uh, ultimately, men, you're the one most responsible. You're the one who's going to answer to God for how your family is. So uh, that's the way it was with Mr. Lot and Mrs. Lot. There was a lack of appreciation that we see there, first of all, a lack of appreciation. Uh, you know, th- this is not like Noah, uh, where, where uh, uh, w- w- the, uh, in Lot's life, uh, you know, uh, he had people, he had people in, in his life that, that did live for the Lord, had Abram, his uncle, uh, Abraham, that did for, live for the Lord, uh, and um, Noah didn't have that. He didn't have anyone else that lived for the Lord but his own family. But, but Lot did. Lot had a godly example in Abraham. Abram at the time before his name was changed. He had a godly example. And he had Abraham's influence. He had Abraham trying to get him to do the right thing. So what we see with Lot and Mrs. Lot was just a lack of appreciation for the good that God had put in his life through, uh, through Abraham and others. You know, Abraham and Sarah. Lot had the opportunity to remain under the blessing of a godly couple of Abraham and Sarah. He had the opportunity to remain under their influence, but uh, he didn't do that. He made some wrong choices. Look at Genesis chapter 13, verse 7 through 11. He made some wrong choices. We're talking about what are we going to do if we live in an ungodly culture to to raise a godly family? Well, Lot had the chance, but... uh, it didn't mean anything to him. He had no appreciation for it. He, he made some very, very uh, wrong choices. Genesis 13, uh, verse 7 through 11. There was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, There be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, uh, for we be brethren. Uh, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me, and uh, if thou wilt take take the left, if thou take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and notice how he's making his decision. He lifted up his eyes, and he beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord. 
before the Lord destroyed uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden, uh, uh, as, the, as, the, as, as a garden of the Lord, like on the land of Egypt, as thou comest in the Zoar. Then Lot chose him, then Lot chose him, all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. <clears throat> he made a bad choice, didn't he? Lot made a wrong choice there. He made his choices entirely based on what he saw, not on, uh, not on more eternal things. He should have made a choice based on his position in relationship to Abram. Abram was his uh, senior, and Abram was the man who had the wisdom, and Abram was the man who had the hand of God upon him, and he should have deferred to Abram. He should have said, you make the choice, you tell me where you know, I should take my herdmen, my cattle, and so forth, and I'll do what you, I'll do what you suggest. But he looked up the, there, and he said, well, that's down by the river, it's a well-watered plain, it's green, it's nice, this er other area is not as nice, and so I'm going to take that one. He said, I don't really care that Sodom and Gomorrah are down there, and the men of Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked and sinners exceeding. I'm going to bring my family in to closer to that. So uh, he, he made those kinds of choices based on his sight. We often make wrong choices just based on the way things look rather than the way we're, uh, God's leading us. So a very foolish thing to do in raising a family is just make your choices based on sight. Well, I like this area. I get, you know, that, that area. Well, this job's offering better benefits, and so we're going to move there uh, without regard to whether there's a church there that we can go to that uh, will uh, allow us to continue to serve the Lord through the ministry of a Bible-believing church. We don't uh, concern ourselves with that. We just move because it looks better. It looks, the opportunities look better. And it looks like we can make more money, and it looks like we can, you know, have a, a nicer home, whatever like that. Um, that's not the way we ought to make choices, is it? A lot made his choices that way, rather than consulting the Lord and consulting uh, the will of God in the matter. He just made that choice based on what he saw. And that's the wrong way to do it. It's the wrong way to raise a godly family in an ungodly culture like we live in. He started down a way that he never could get back up from. He went down and down and down, and he, and he stayed down. In Genesis 13, 18, we see Abraham's, what Abraham's doing after that. The Bible says Abraham's built, uh, Abraham built an altar unto the Lord. Did Lot build an altar? No, he didn't concern himself with spiritual things. Uh, he was more concerned about the, the advantages that he would have uh, in a place where there were plenty of grass and there were rivers and there were... Uh, there were opportunities, there were towns close by, there was excitement, there was entertainment. All those things were going through his mind as he makes, uh, makes his choice. But Abraham is over on the other side uh, with what Lot left him. Abraham is over there building an altar before the Lord because Abraham understood that the, the conditions, uh, regardless of the conditions, if I build an altar before the Lord, if I dedicate myself to the Lord, it doesn't matter whether I'm in Temecula or Gardena or downtown San Francisco or out in Timbuktu. Uh, it doesn't matter, but uh, the place I am is, is a place of commitment to the Lord. And that's the place you and I need to see as the most important. He made some wrong choices. He had some wasted opportunities. We read later, we don't have time to look into it now, but we read later that... Uh, uh, the, there was a, a foreign invasion and Lot and his family got carried 
off into, uh, into slavery, and uh, he was conquered. The city of Sodom was, was uh, devastated, and they, they were carried off into captivity. And so uh, Abram, Abram, as you remember the story, hears about this. He gathers together, what, 318 of his uh, servants, and he goes down and rescues Lot out of that situation and delivers him out of certain slavery and probably death, you know. He rescues him out of all that and sets him back on his feet again. Here is Lot, having been delivered out of a, de a desperate situation. You'd think that at this point, Lot would say, you know, I need to reassess uh, what I'm doing. I need to reset, reassess where I'm living. I need to reassess the direction my life is taking. And I need to get, uh, uh, to, to get on board with what Abram is doing in his life with his commitment to God. But that wasn't the case, was it? We find as we read the account on, we find out that Lot ends up going right back into Sodom. In fact, later on, he moved right into the city limits of Sodom, right into the heart of the city. He didn't want to be that far from the nightclub. He didn't want to be that far from the entertainment. He didn't want to be that far from all the conveniences of the city. And so he moved, he moved, he, he and his family moved right into the city there. Wrong choices, wasted opportunities that uh, God's mercy had given him. Now, when God does that with you, when God does that with me, Lord, help us not to waste those opportunities where God's grace is seen and he forgives us and he sets us back on our feet again and he, and he gives us a fresh start. Let's not waste those opportunities. Go right back into the mess he delivered us out of like Lot did. Let's uh, learn that lesson from Lot, that lesson of wasted opportunities. Lot, uh, Lot had virtually no impact in the place that he lived. He had no impact on his neighbors. He didn't even have any impact on his children. He had no impact at all for anything of eternal value in his life. What a wasted life in that, in that place. And in Genesis uh, 18 and verse 32, Let's take a look there again. Genesis 18, verse 32. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak yet this once. Peradventure, he shall be, uh, there shall be found ten there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. You know the story. Uh, Abraham is pleading for the, uh, the salvation uh, of, or the preservation of Sodom because Lot is there and his family's there. And he gets down there, he's asking the Lord, if 50 righteous would be there, will you spare the city? 40, 20, down to 10. And God agrees with Lot. Okay, if you can find 10 righteous people in Sodom, I'll spare the whole city for 10 righteous people. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? That a little handful of righteous Christians can literally be what spares an entire city from God's uh, wrath. <laughs> and that was the case there. If I can find 10 righteous people, that, that uh, tells you several things. One of the things it tells you is that you as a Christian have an, a power, you can have a powerful influence in the culture that you live in, in the neighborhood you live in, in the city that you live in, in the state you live in. Uh, God has mercy on whole, whole populations because of a small uh, handful of godly people in the place. You know? uh, so he says to 
uh, Abram, okay, I'll, if you can find 10 righteous people in there. And Abram says, oh, that's okay, I should be able to do that because Lot's own family is more than 10 people. Lot's own immediate family is going to be more than 10 people with, his, with the wives and, and husbands uh, and the kids. It's going to be, you know, got a lot. lot uh, Abram thought he was going to be okay. I, I can find, Lot's saved, Lot knows God, so he, his wife knows God. Uh, his children ought to know God. His ch- children's mates ought to know God. There ought to be at least 10 there, I confide. And so he, was, he left it at that number. He said, that'll do. You know? And you know the story. There were not 10 righteous there. We get the lot coming to talk to his kids. And he says to his sons-in-law that married his daughters, he says, you got to get out of here. God's going to destroy this place. And the Bible tells us that they mocked him. They just said, yeah, oh man, yeah, all of a sudden you're religious. You know, you've never been religious in your life before, but all of a sudden you're concerned about God, you know. He seemed as one that mocked unto them. They thought, yeah, that's a joke. They just took it as a joke. They thought, oh, this, you know, Grandpa's losing it, you know. He's, he's, uh, uh, he's thinking the world's going to come to an end. And so they laughed it off. And they stayed there. So Lot had no impact at all on the place, none at all. His own family uh, didn't even believe him. So uh, that's, the, that's the challenge for us. Can we have an impact on our culture? Do we have an impact on our family, our extended family? Are we making a difference? Do they know that, uh, uh, what you stand for and who you uh, love and who you live for? That was what we, uh, that's the lesson we need to get from, from um, Lot. Lot was even at the point spiritually where he was so dead in his spiritual walk, he was so far from God that he was willing to give up his own children to the world, you know. Uh, they came, the Sodomites came knocking at the door, you know, and they said, uh, they, they saw the two angels uh, who gave the appearance of men uh, and went into Lot's home and that night they came surrounding Lot's house and are knocking on the door. Hey, 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 uh, let those two men out. We want to know them. We want to have sexual relations with them in a perverse way because they're new blood, they're new flesh in town, new flesh in town. And we want to have that. We want to have that pleasure. And so put those two men out here for us. And Lot closed the door behind him and he said, look, you can have my two virgin daughters. Just take them and the Bible says you can do what you want with them. Can you imagine a father getting down that far to the point where he's willing to just give his two daughters who'd never known a man out into a crowd of perverts that are going to abuse them all night long. Can't imagine a father that would do that with his own virgin daughters, you know. But Abram, uh, but uh, Lot got to that place. He was that far from the Lord. So uh, what, a, what a tragedy that is. He, uh, his, his faith meant very little to him and it meant even less to his family. And so uh, the fact is that Lot was unsuccessful. Lot was a failure at raising his family to be godly in an ungodly culture. The culture was what raised his family. And we don't want that. We want Noah's family. We want to be uh, patterned after Noah's family. Noah was given an entirely new world. And Noah stepped off the ark with every one of his family members, all of them. He stepped off the ark in this new world, in this new beginning. Uh, so uh, the secret to, to uh, raising children to love the Lord is to love the Lord yourself. And that's the secret. There's nothing magical about it. Just love the Lord yourself. The, uh, the family, you know, is not to be the hub and center of everything 
about your life. Family isn't. You know, the focus on the family is, is uh, maybe, a little, uh, maybe a little misnomer. Uh, it ought to be the focus on the Lord. That should be the hub. Your commitment to the Lord should be the hub. The family benefits best when mom is committed to the Lord, when dad is committed to the Lord, when Christ is the hub of the family. That's where the family does best. So uh, uh, Christ must be preeminent. And I wonder this morning, are, uh, if we look at the pattern of your life over the past 10 years, is it going to be more like Lot's family or is it going to be more like Noah's family? And we just all need to, by the grace of God, uh, have that help that is uh, available to us by recognizing that we can, in the most ungodly of cultures, we can raise a godly family. We can have a godly heritage. We can leave behind a godly heritage, no matter how far from God our culture gets. So let's make a difference. Let's uh, be followers of Noah's example, not followers of Lot's example. Let's stand together, give an invitation.